Today we're going to continue on the sermon series of prayer, and I just put prayer part two or uh, number two, and titled it, where's the title? Be Still and Listen, because I have a different title on my paper up here. Be Still and Listen. Be Still and Listen to God. As you know, as I talked last week, talking about what is prayer, it is communicating with God, right? It is communicating with the Father. We communicate, as I said last week, we communicate with people all the time. We call it prayer because we are communicating with God. That's why we call it prayer. But prayer is us communicating with God. And as I said last week, I hope that when you are communicating with others that you take time to listen to them, right? And it's the same way with God, friends. Same way with God, that we ought to take time to listen, to see what He has to say to us, to be still. And that can be a problem, the being still part. It is. It is. can be a problem. Uh, so I'm, I'm stepping on my own toes this morning because we have so much going on in our minds. Our minds are just continually thinking of things and or things we've got to do and just going. So it's hard sometimes to be still. Yeah. You got to do it before you forget. <laughs> so be still and listen. Look for that time where you have that quiet reflection. And also hope to talk about the prayer of help today, also. So we're going to look to Psalms chapter 62, verses 1 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord. Truly, my soul. Silently waits for God. So the psalmist is saying, truly, my soul silently, he's quiet, silently waits for God. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you attack a man? You shall be slain, all of you, like a leaning wall and a tottering fence. The only consult, the only consult to cast him down from his high position. They delight in lies, they bless with their mouths, but they curse inwardly. My soul waits silently for God alone, for my expectation is from him. He is my rock and my salvation, he is my defense, I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for you. God is a refuge for you, each and every one of you. May God add His blessings to the hearing and the reading of His Holy Word. And let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You. Thank You that You are our rock. We thank You that we can find a place of refuge in you. Father, that you are our strength. Father, may you be our all in all. Father God, we thank you that you are always with us, as I've already stated. Father, that you'll never leave us. We thank you, Father, that we can come to you. Father, I pray this morning as we look at your word and as we, we talk, I pray that every word will give you glory and honor. But Father, help us to hear. 
Father, help us to hear as we come before you, Father, what you have to say, for, say to us. Father, help us to hear the guidance that you have for us. Help us to hear the blessing that you have for us in your word and that you speak to us through others, Father. Lord, just open our hearts. Lord, help us not just to hear it in our mind, but help us to hear what you have for us in our hearts, Father God. And may we receive what you have for us and share it with others and bring glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I think the key for me in this passage is that He is my rock. God is my rock. He is my salvation, my defense. You know, as we were discussing in Sabbath school, because I said, you know, we're talking about my message. <laughs> if we truly, truly trust Him, have Him in here, what do we have to fear? He is our rock. He is my salvation. My glory. He is my strength. We have nothing to fear if God is our God. You know, I began to do a word search in this passage. And as I began to do this word search, I realized that the context of this passage is a little different than I thought it was when I picked this passage. You know, I picked this passage for the topic of quiet reflection, listening to God. Rosanna asked that I'd send her the, inf the bulletin information for this week since they were going to be gone, so I looked this up and I found it. When I searched it out, it turns out that the context is actually different. But it actually is really great. It really is. There is so much more to this passage than I originally thought. The first verse says, Truly my soul silently waits for God. From Him comes my salvation. Before I studied that out and did the word search, I thought the part that said my soul silently waits for God meant some nice quiet time with God. You know, out there, maybe on that hillside and the, the gentle breeze blowing in the grasses and you got that quiet time, just you and God and you're enjoying His creation. Or you know, maybe it's that quiet, secluded place that, that you have at home that you go to, that you spend time with God. You know, I, I, it sounds nice, doesn't it? That nice, quiet time that we can be still our souls and listen to Him. Sounds really good. But in truth, the psalmist speaks not of that quiet, secluded place. He's speaking of being silent, not complaining against God during the times of His troubles. That's what he's talking about here. He's in a time of trouble, and he's saying, Be still, my soul. Be silent before God. Don't complain and grumble, but wait on Him. Well, that's a good word for us today, isn't it? I mean, we've probably done a lot of grumbling, especially the last year. Be still and listen and trust in God, right? He is my rock. He is my salvation. He says, how long will you attack a man? You shall be slain, all of you, like a leaning wall and a tottering fence. They only consult to cast him down from his high position. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouths, but they curse inwardly. He is in a time of trouble. He's saying, Lord, be still. Or let my soul be still. And trust in the God of my salvation. A good word for us. Whatever difficulties 
that we may experience. This is what David said. Whatever difficulties I may experience, whatever dangers may come, whatever discouragements come upon me, I will silently wait upon Him. I will silently wait upon God. He is my rock. He's not concerned with the immediate situation in his life, what's coming against him, or what may come against him. He is proclaiming that he will trust in his eternal salvation, which only comes from God's unmerited favor. Is that not a good word for God's people? When we look around, there is so much that we could be worried and concerned and fret about today, is there not? If you want a good dose of discouragement, turn the news on. But if you don't, go to the Lord in prayer. Because there is a great amount of things to be discouraged about today. Israel being bombarded. China pushing themselves out there as the, the, the world superpower. North Korea. So many things to be discouraged about. But my friends, be still and wait upon God. He is our salvation. He is my rock. He is my defense. I will not be greatly moved. Do not fret. Do not be discouraged. Rock, as it's used here, means a place of refuge. Even though he was facing great trouble, he knows where to take refuge. Rock is our strong, secure place, is it not? Who is our rock? Jesus Christ, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, the chief stone. He is the firm foundation. He is my rock. My friends, I don't care what the devil may throw at us. There's one thing he cannot take away. He may destroy this earthly body, but he cannot take away our eternal hope, our eternal salvation, because it's in the rock. It's in Jesus Christ. Amen? 2 Corinthians 4, 7-12. through 12. If you might want to take notes because she didn't get all the Scriptures because I didn't, surely didn't, didn't have it all picked out. 2 Corinthians 4, 7-12. through 12. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. It's not of us. It's not our power. Let that sink in there for a moment. The power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. I'm going to take my time going through this. So we may be pressed in, so many things come against, against us, but yet we are not crushed. We are in Him. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We should not be in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carried about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. If we are mature in our faith, we'll ask the Lord to crucify the flesh in us. Crucify that thing that desires the, the, the lust, to fulfill the fleshly lust. Let that be gone. 
Deliver it to death. Lord, that I may walk in the Spirit, walk in you. The Apostle Paul was sharing with the Philippian church all the things that had come against him. Paul was shipwrecked, I think, three times. He was beaten. He was stoned. Stoned once to the point said left for dead. And I believe he probably was dead. The Spirit brought him back because God wasn't done with him yet. That's another whole other topic. But he's sharing all these things that came against him. And he says this in Philippians 1, verses 12 through 14 and verse 19. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it may become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Paul was saying, he's in chains, he's been bound. But he's saying, brothers and sisters, this has turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. He's not concerned about what he's suffering. He's not concerned about being behind bars. But the whole palace guard is hearing about Jesus. It's turned out for the good of the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Is that where our heart is? That no matter what comes against us, is our concern that the gospel is expanded, is shared with others. That the palace guard or our neighbors or whoever hears about Jesus Christ. He didn't care about the things that he had to go through physically. As long as Jesus Christ was exalted... Not only that, the part that says most of the brethren having become much more confident because of his chains. Think about that for a moment. Paul's saying they can see that I'm in chains and the gospel's being preached and I'm praising the Lord even in chains. It's encouraging them. They're looking at Paul's suffering that's encouraging them to go out and be more bold. For Jesus Christ. Others should look at our lives and be more bold. Are we living our lives in a way that others see what we're going through, that we are still praising God in the midst of it and making them bold? Or are we grumbling and complaining or we're being silent and waiting on the Lord like David said? See where I was going with this? In the midst of whatever comes against us, whatever the enemy throws against us, we should be quiet and wait on the Lord. Let Him be glorified through it. May others be more bold through our faithfulness, through our trusting in our rock, our salvation. Not grumble like David. He did not grumble, did not complain, but silently waited, trusting in God. I found a nice story about complaining. There was a monk who joined a monastery and he took a vow of silence. After ten years, his superiors called him in and asked, Do you have anything to say? The monk replied, Food bad. (laughs) After another ten years, the monk had the opportunity to voice his thoughts. They said, What do you think? Do you have anything to say? Bed hard. Another ten years have went by. 
And he's called again into his superiors. When asked if he had anything to say, he responded, I quit. <laughs> so in 30 years, he spoke six words, right? Yeah. And his superior said, that doesn't surprise me a bit. You've done nothing but complain since you've been here. <laughs> oh, that we only spoke six complaining words in 30 years. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's, that's a funny thing, and it's laughter, but how true. Oh, that we had only spoke six words of complaining. I wish I only spoke six words of complaining in a month, right? <laughs> we must allow that to settle into our hearts, that we should trust in the Lord as David. Be silent as David was. Be silent as Saul was. Saul wasn't complaining. He was sharing those things that he experienced. But it was to bring the Lord glory and honor. David didn't even speak of the evil that was against him. Think of David. God had anointed him. The prophet went and anointed David. said, you will be the next king. Samuel anointed David. You will be the next king of Israel. God has chosen you over all of his brothers, chosen him over Saul, who was the current king, but chosen him over all of his brothers. He was the youngest. He was called, described as ruddy looking. The others looked much stronger, taller. He was ruddy. But he's the one God chose. He knew that he was going to be king. He began to go. Of course, we know he defeated Goliath. And many started following David. They were singing songs how David defeated his 10,000 and Saul only defeated 1,000. You know, he was becoming very popular and there were many that joined with him. He knew that he eventually was going to be king. Well, there came a time where Saul then was hunting him down. Saul was going to kill David because he wanted his son Jonathan to be king. Not David. So he's going to track him down. He's going to kill him. So David and his men that were with him, we were hiding in a cave one day. I'm getting off sort of topic here. Hiding in a cave. And Saul had, to, you know, when nature calls, you've got to go take care of business. So Saul goes into this cave to take care of nature. And David's right there. And his men says, look, the Lord has delivered him into your hands. You can take him. David said, I shall not do this thing. I will not place my hand, take take." The Lord's anointed. I will not destroy him. I'll be silent. I'll wait on the Lord is what he was saying. But he cut off the hem of his garment. And after Saul went out, he went out and made himself known. Saul, look here. I could have taken your life. He even felt guilty that he did that. But he would not speak against God's anointed. He waited until the Lord took Saul out of the picture. Let's wait on the Lord. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, right? Not ours. Vengeance is not mine, but it belongs to God. Let's wait upon Him. Let's turn to Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I already heard the who's out there. We all know that one, right? If God is for us, friends, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? 
Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Friends, we don't justify ourselves. God justifies. It's His righteousness. righteousness. Who is He who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is a mouthful, but my friends, what peace that should be still in us. Nothing in this world can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ. Though the focus has been on being silent and not grumbling before God, but trusting Him, there are so many scriptures that show the importance of making time, making that quiet time to be with the Lord. You know, most of us probably today, you know, we live in this modern era where we have so many things that are supposed to make our lives so much simpler, but I think they're crazier probably than they've ever been. Most of us can say our schedules are just so filled to the max. But my friends, we have to Make time. Make time to have that quiet time with God. Mine has to be in the morning, the early time of the day. Make that time to be with Him. That is my quiet time. Yours may be in the afternoon. It might be at night. I don't know. But my friends, don't just wait for it to happen, but make time to have that quiet reflection with God each and every day. You know, there's days where it's like, well, I ought to go swim early in the morning. No, you ought to spend time with the Lord in His Word, praying, seeking Him. Choose to do that. You know, we, we have to add that to our daily schedules. It's not just going to happen because life would just try to, the devil would just try to keep you so busy that you don't have that in your schedules. We need to make it, put it there, intentionally put it there. Be intentional in our prayer time, our quiet time with God, and listen to what He has to say. Matthew 6, verse 5 and 6 in the New Living Translation reads, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on the street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. They like to make a big show of it, right? He says, I tell you the truth. That is all the reward that they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. Shut the door behind you. Don't want anybody to see you do it. It's between you and God, right? 
And let's transition to the thought of the prayer of help. Help, my friends, is something we all need at some times, right? We need help. Just a very simple illustration. There's a big rock laying there and it weighs 300 pounds. Are you going to grab that and lift it by yourself? No. You're going to seek out help. You might need two. You might even need three people to help you lift that rock. I don't know. But a heavy object use a tractor. is... I'm going to read it. Right, that's your help. An object, something heavy upon you requires help. Something heavy you have to do. We all, at times, will need help. I don't care how independent you are or think you are, there are times where even the most independent of us or the most stubborn of us will need help. The brightest of us will need help. You know, if your car slides off a slippery road into the ditch, you're going to need help to get it out. You're not going to single-handedly pick that car up out of there, right? If you break a bone, you're going to need help by a physician. You can't fix it yourself. There are times where we need help. You know, I know I've experienced this firsthand. We were building the, our second house that I built. And one of the big things building in a house, uh, a key that you, you, know, you try to get to as quickly as possible is you get it what you call dried in. Meaning, you've got the walls up, you get the roof on, and you get it covered with at least felt paper so that it's dried in because you want to try to keep the rain from getting on the lumber and destroying it, especially the plywood floors. You want to keep the rain off of it. So that's the key. Once you get it dried in, you can relax a little bit. So it's a major deal. So we're building that second house, and the day that we were uh, put the plywood on and start putting the felt paper on, it comes in rolls. You roll it out and you nail it down. Well, it's getting towards evening, and I know that darkness is coming, so... The further we went along, the further I was spacing the nails out, just trying to get the felt paper on there. And you really should use cap nails, but I had regular roofing nails, and I was starting to space them out that far, and they should have been about this close. But I'm trying to get the felt paper on, thinking it'll be all right till tomorrow. Then we'll go back and do it. So, but I get the felt paper clean to the peak, the whole roof. The next day I go to work, and there was a storm. Brief storms, all it was. I mean, a five-minute, ten-minute storm. I don't remember how long it was. It wasn't very long. And I'm coming to the house from work, and the felt paper's gone, completely gone. And my loving wife says, let me call some friends, some friends and get some help here. I'm like, no, I'll do it myself. <laughs> you know, stubborn. Pastor's telling himself. I mean, I was starting, you know, it was my mistake. I'll do it myself. So I had to get more felt paper, obviously. When I come back, she had all kinds of friends there to help put that felt paper on that night. We all at times need to get over ourselves, over our stubbornness, over our independence, and accept the help, don't we? We need to be able to accept help. And that's a big thing for some of us. It is. I realize that. And then sometimes it's the other way around. We need to be the ones that are willing to help. So we need to be willing to receive help and willing to give help to others. Isaiah 1 verse 17 says, Learn. So you see, it's not going to come natural. That's a key word there. Learn to do good. Seek justice. 
Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. So we've got to learn to do those good things. It doesn't come natural. Because in the natural, we only care about one thing, ourselves, right? Learn to do good. Learn to help. During the American Revolution, a man wearing civilian clothes rode past a group of soldiers repairing a small defense barrier. The leader was shouting out instructions, but making no attempt to help them. When the rider asked the corporal why he did not help his men, he retorted with great dignity, Sir, I am a corporal. The stranger apologized, dismounted, and proceeded to help the exhausted, exhausted soldiers. When the job was finished, he turned to the corporal and said, Mr. Corporal, the next time you have a job like this and not enough men to do it, go to your commander-in-chief and ask, and I will help you again. It was George Washington. The commander thought he was too good to help his men. But George Washington got off and helped. Be willing to help. Don't think we're above it. We are not. The truth is, when we find ourselves in tough situations, sometimes we need help. The other night in Bible study, we were talking, and yet, you know, you'll hear people say that the Lord must think I'm really strong because the Word says He'll never give you more than you can handle. He must think I'm a lot stronger than I think I am. I think I said that right. There are times, tough times and situations where we might wonder, where is God? You know, His Word says He'll never leave us nor forsake us. But it could be that those things or those times are God's way of protecting us from something even greater. But it could also be God's time of building our character. Could be God's way of showing us we need to call on help. That we need to accept that help that He sends. I believe it's all that He's working to mold us and shape us into the kind of Christian that He wants us to be. But you know, I know there may be times when we're going through that thing, Lord, I've got enough character already. Please let things go a little easier, right? <laughs> Lord, uh, my character's good enough. Things are pretty tough. We might want to say that sometimes. But just think of the man or woman that God's shaping you to be. And say, Lord, just help me to get through it, help me to grow in it, and help me to glorify you, no matter how tough it gets. Lord, may I put my complete trust in you, not in myself, but in you. Let's pray for help when we need help. In every situation, cry out to the Lord for help. And you know, I do want to thank the Lord that we can bring all things to Him. He knows already, right? But let's bring all things to Him. Don't be embarrassed or ashamed, but we can bring all things to God because He cares for me and you, for each of us. Hebrews 4, 14-16 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens... Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. 
Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Where are we going to find our help, friends? The Lord. The Lord. We can come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find grace that will help us in our time of need. And one final scripture. Psalms 46, verses 1 and 2, and 10 and 11. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be moved, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. 10.11 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. May we, like David, know where we find our refuge. May we know that He is our very present help in our times of trouble. So I'll leave you with this. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Even when times are tough, things are hard. When you're weak, rely on His strength. He is our very present help 